What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Great appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you don't do so already, please give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. Post some really great content and graphics there. Today, I'm going to be going over the Bills' 27-24 victory from Wild Card Weekend and then previewing their game for the divisional round against the Baltimore Ravens. Then, to cap off today's episode, I'm going to be going into the Buffalo Sabres as they will be starting their season on Thursday this week against the Washington Capitals, talking about some of the line combinations, power play, what players got sent down, what players are staying, and then my thoughts on Jeff Skinner and Ralph Kruger's situation that's kind of been ongoing now for the past week or so. But starting off with the Bills, first home playoff win in 25 years in a thrilling fashion. 27-24, Phillip Rivers' final play, Hail Mary, was batted down by Micah Hyde, so the Bills escaped, and they will advance this Saturday in the night game, 8-15, against the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be a good one. Going over the stats real quick, Josh Allen, 26-35, of 35, 324 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, as well as 11 carries for 54 yards and a rushing touchdown. Stephon Diggs continues to be incredible. Six receptions, 128 yards, one touchdown. He was worth every single penny of that trade. Gabe Davis made some gigantic plays for the Bills when they were kind of stumbling on offense in the first half and were having really bad field position. Four receptions for 85 yards, including two toe drag swag catches along the sidelines, in the words of Nate Burleson. And Cole Beasley gutted the game out. Seven receptions for 57 yards. Made some really big catches on third down, especially late in the game. Really happy that he was playing. Phillip Rivers, if he does decide to call it a career, he definitely went out in a great way, probably playing his best game of the season. 27 to 46 for 309 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's really not known as a playoff or cold weather quarterback, so he put on a really gritty performance. Jonathan Taylor was gashing the Bills early, but they were able to kind of stop him late. 21 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. Jack Doyle, seven receptions for 70 yards. And a touchdown on a broken play. Nakeem Hines, six carries for 75 yards. I'm going to point out why that's important in a minute here. So going over the good first for the Bills, no turnovers in the game. Obviously key in the playoffs that you're getting, having as many possessions as you can, not giving the other team momentum and keeping the ball out of harm's way. Tyler Bass continues his stellar rookie season, hitting a couple bombs, um, including the playoff record for a rookie for a field goal. Um, for the longest distance. The weight of the first round playoff win is kind of now off the Bills' shoulders, and I think that's really going to help them get loose going forward and kind of play with a little less stress. You know, you kind of had shades of Houston in that game at different points. They, You know, the Bills looked really good after Stephon Diggs touchdown, then they drove right down on their defense. It looked like the Colts were going to have a chance at the end to really win this game. And you were thinking about the Houston Texas game all over again. That weight is finally off. You know, Josh Allen has his first playoff win now. A lot of these young guys have their first playoff win. Even a lot of these veterans, you know, Jordan Poyer, 
uh, Jerry Hughes, all these guys getting their first win in the playoffs. Uh, the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs connection, you can't say, talk about them enough. They've just been clicking on all cylinders, and they're going to be key for the Bills if they want to make a deep playoff run. The D didn't have its best game by any means, but they did make a lot of key stops and key moments, such as the third down uh, stop on the Jonathan Taylor sweep outside and then stopping them on fourth and goal, you know, being able to force for a field goal attempt, which the Colts missed, and then obviously late in the game, shutting it down and blocking the Hail Mary attempt. So the D stepped up when they needed it. And a really solid job by the offensive line. Josh Allen remained pretty clean most of the day. I know he was scrambling out of the pocket a little bit um, here and there throughout the game. But I thought the offensive line overall did really well, which is going to have to continue against Baltimore and that great front seven that they have. Um, looking at some of the bad things in the game, Josh has to still have, do a little bit better job of taking care of the football. He put the ball in harm's way a few times. One throw was really bad, almost ended up in an interception. And then obviously Darrell Williams saving the game really for the Bills when Josh tried to just kind of be Superman for a second and try to throw a few defenders off him instead of just going down and taking the sack and fumbled the ball. Luckily, they were able to recover it. Um, the officiating in this game was absolutely horrific. That Jordan Poyer punching the ball out at the end of the game, I don't know how that still isn't a fumble. Um, I really don't want to get too deep into that, but the officials were really bad. The run D continues to be a little bit of a problem. I know they cleaned it up, and Taylor only had 78 yards. But Nakeem Hines having six carries for 75 yards is going to be something that you can't do against Baltimore. Um, they have to generate more of a pass rush. They didn't do that um, enough in this game. Phil Rivers remained pretty clean the entire game. I know the Colts' offensive line is very good, but you have to beat good offensive lines in order to win and get deep in the postseason. Field position has to start changing more. Andre Roberts had a really bad decision bringing the ball out, and then we had a penalty to start his bad field position. You know, even though the Col or the Bills D got a stop, we had to drive all the way down the field starting in our own end. Um, the Bills really just didn't have good field position, so they have to try to flip that against the Ravens, especially against that team. And then the run game is still questionable. I know Josh did a good job running the ball. Zach Moss is now out for the postseason. He was having a pretty strong game. Devin Singletary and the few carries he did get did um, come through when they needed to. They did sign Devontae Freeman today to the practice squad. They do have Antonio Williams and TJ Yeldon on the roster as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bills decide to do. But Devin Singletary is definitely going to be a guy that has to step up. Getting into the Ravens preview itself, um, the weather's looking like 37 degrees-ish. Looking like we're going to get some snow. Some people think this is going to be bad for the Bills because it's going to lean more towards a run-heavy game, and the Baltimore clearly has the advantage from that perspective. A lot of Bills fans, I think, are afraid of Baltimore. Um, myself, I'm not afraid as much. Baltimore's obviously a good team. I think they're very well coached. They have a good defense, and I obviously would have rather played Pittsburgh than Baltimore. But Baltimore's a team that you can beat. Kansas City is really the only team at Buffalo. I wouldn't even be say they should be afraid of but that's the only team they really have to would step up their game not that they don't have to do that versus the Ravens but there is not a team that's going to scare me as much as people think and the reason for that is if the Bills are able to um you know shut down Lamar and the keys to the game so they need to force Lamar to throw the ball stack the box stop him and J.K. Dobbins and their other running backs are going to be key as well that's why I mentioned Akeem Hines before at six carries for 75 yards the Baltimore Ravens have a plethora of running backs, whether it's 
you know, Lamar Jackson running it, J.K. Dobbins running it, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, who was a healthy scratch this past weekend. They have a bunch of guys who can really beat you on the ground, and we saw what Nakeem Hines did um, to the Bills this past weekend. So the Bills have to be prepared to do that. They have to stack the box. They need to spy Lamar with either Milano, Edmonds, or even a Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, whoever it may be. They have to have a guy spying him at all times. The Bills have to show their ability to beat the blitz on offense. Baltimore's one of the most blitz-heavy defenses in the NFL. They're top 10 in both rush and pass defense. They have to avoid turnovers. You know, they have a very good secondary with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, all those guys. It's going to be a tough day for Stephon Diggs and and Cole Beasley, Gabe Davis, John Brown. They're going to have to find ways to get open and get open quick because you know they're going to be blitzing a lot, which I think where Devin Singletary could have a big game. Um, And then stopping the Ravens on first down is going to be huge because when the Ravens are able to pick up chunk plays on that first down, it gives right into their game plan. They really want to just run and ground the ground and pound the ball against you. They pick up six, seven yards on that first down with a run. They're going to hammer you with two more runs. If they don't get it, they're probably going to go for it on fourth down. If you're able to stop them on first down, whether it's an incomplete pass, holding them to between one and three yards on the ground, you're going to be putting them in second and third and longs. You're going to be forcing Lamar to throw the ball. And I think that's exactly what the Bills want him to do, especially if the weather is bad. Some statistics that are just mind-boggling to me when looking at Lamar Jackson's game. And by no means am I trying to say that Lamar Jackson is an awful quarterback, that he doesn't deserve to get paid. Um, You know, he did get his first playoff win. I don't think they looked as good as people thought they did against the Titans. But he's not as good of a passer as, you know, people think he is. And I'm not going to sit here and just say he's a running back. He knows how to throw the ball. He's obviously gotten his team to the playoffs. He's won an MVP. He's clearly a quarterback, but he only threw for over 250 yards one time this season, and it was week one first to Cleveland Browns. And then every time that Lamar Jackson has had to throw 28-plus passes in a game this season, they have lost every single game. So if you're able to make Lamar Jackson a passer in this game, you're going to have an incredible chance to win. The other reason you have to stop Lamar on the ground is he's ran for 50 yards or a touchdown in all but two games this season. So he's an electric runner. He has the ability to throw the ball. You have to watch out for Hollywood Brown on deep passes, especially if they get the ground game going. The play action over the top could be, you know, big against the Bills, and they have to find a way to shut down Mark Andrews. That's really their only big threat. I have all the confidence in the world in Tredavious White to shut down Hollywood Brown. Um, I'm not terribly scared of Willie Sneed or some of these other guys, but you saw what Jack Doyle did against us. We've seen what Mike Kosicki, Travis Kelsey, these other guys have done against us. Darren Waller, Matt Milano, and Tremaine Edmonds are definitely going to have to step up. Whichever one of them is not covering Andrews are going to have to probably spy Lamar Jackson. But for me, the three X factors for the Bills in this game are Devin Singletary, John Brown, and the combination of Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. So Devin Singletary is going to be a huge part because he's really the only, you know, running back that they have that they can rely on. You know, Antonio Williams showed great flashes against the Dolphins, but you don't know if you can rely on him in a playoff game. Obviously, if he's on the roster, and you, we, all, we all trust what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are doing. Obviously, I think he could step up in the moment, but I do like Devin Singletary. T.G. Eldon scares me sometimes because of the fumbling issues, 
I'm interested to see what they do with Devontae Freeman, if they're going to use him for goal line situations, if they activate him, if he's going to be in for third down passing. We will see there. Um, John Brown has to get more involved in this game. And it also helps that he was on this Baltimore team a few years ago, so he knows these cornerbacks a little bit. He's going to be able to help Diggs, Beasley, kind of find the little holes in these defenses. I know it's been a few years, but it's all all the help they can get is obviously going to help. Gabe Davis stepped up big for the Bills last week. John Brown only had a few targets, didn't have any receptions. He has to be a playmaker for the Bills. When the Bills have John Brown, Beasley, and Stephon Diggs all going, and then you know you have Gabe Davis, Singletary chipping in on the sides for catches, including Dawson Knox as well. Um, the Bills are at their best. So if we can get John Brown going early and often, I think it's only going to open up the field more for Diggs and Beasley. And then Hughes and Addison are so key in this game because I know that, like I said before, we have to get a pass rush, but it's not just about getting a pass rush. I'm not even talking about even getting a sack on Lamar, but Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison have to keep Lamar inside the pocket. If they're able to, you know, force Lamar to, stay inside and not be able to break free the outside you're going to be able to run him right into the middle to the Ed Olivers to the Harrison Phillips the Vernon Butlers the Quentin Jeffersons you know the Edmonds the Milanos that are blitzing and things of that nature it's going to be super important for Leslie Frazier to dial up a great game plan you know the Bills didn't even play their best game against Colts and were able to grind out a win I think it speaks characters to the team and the culture and you know I think that's going to help them going forward so they can win close games and they can go back and watch last year's game where the Bills played like crap, to be completely honest with you, almost all game, and they still had a chance to win. So go back, watch that film, look at what you did well, look at what you didn't do well, kind of game plan around that, look at what the Titans did to kind of slow Lamar down, go back and look at what those teams did in the games they lost to make the Ravens have to throw the ball more. If the Bills are able to get a few stops early on defense and our offense is clicking and we're able to get up, you know, by two scores, whether it's 14-0 or even three scores, 17-0, you're going to force the Ravens to probably get away from that run offense that they like to do. And I think that's going to play right in the Bills' hands. So if the Bills can get off to a great start offensively, you know, not have bad field position and stop the Ravens on first down, get them into second and third and longs and really force Lamar to throw the ball I have all the confidence in the world that the Bills are going to be able to come out and win this game and move on to the AFC Championship. And the other thing is, too, everyone's going to count out the Cleveland Browns. I don't think the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs by any stretch, but everyone counted them out against Pittsburgh, and they beat the bricks off Pittsburgh. You have to play this game thinking you're going to be coming home next week and hosting the AFC Championship. Come out with reckless abandonment. You know, you saw the Ravens last week, what they did to the Titans. You saw them stomping on their logo you know, getting it all hyped. They obviously have a lot of momentum. You know, maybe they're sitting too much on a high. You know, knock them off that high. You have fans in the stand. Win it for Bills Mafia and just go out, beat the bricks off the Ravens and, you know, handle your business and go to the AFC title game. And then finally, for the Sabres, as I mentioned before, they start in a few days against the Washington Capitals and back-to-back games. So some of the bigger moves today, Artu Rustalainen, a guy that I've been clamoring for to make the Sabres roster or at least the taxi squad. Um, he was sent to the Rochester Americans today, so a little bit disappointed in that. In a bigger surprise, both Jack Quinn and Will Borgen have made the taxi squad or the Sabres roster, which is big news. I've been high on Will Borgen. You guys know I've talked about him 
um, being our potential replacement for a guy like Jake McCabe. I think he's an excellent shot blocker, um, physical type defenseman. I don't think he has a great offensive game, but I think sometimes the Sabres need to lock down a little bit more. And Jack Quinn's played pretty well in these practices and the scrimmage. And because the OHL season's not really going to be going on, they're going to have to find a way to get Quinn some games. So he's going to at least be on the taxi squad and then maybe go to Rochester until they find him um, another place to play. So the Sabres lines today at practice are as follows. Taylor Hall with Eichel in the middle and Thompson on the right wing. Eric Stahl centering Reinhardt and Olofsson. Cody Egan centering Kyle Laposo and Tobias Reeder. Uh, Riley Sheehan centering Dylan Cousins on the right and Jeff Skinner on the left. Curtis Lazar missed practice today. He would be that fourth guy that slots in for Sheehan next to Cousins and Skinner. Then the defensive pairings, Brandon Montour, Rasmus Dahlin, Rasmus Ristolain, and Jake McCabe. Colin Miller and Henry Okiyaru, obviously Linus Allmark, Carter Hutton, and goal. The extras being Casey Middlesat, Rasmus Asplund, Jack Quinn, um, excuse me, Will Borgen, and Matt Irwin, as well as Jonas Johansson and goal. Power play units were Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, Olofsson, and Rasmus Dahlin on the first power play. Second power play of Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Eric Stahl, and Rasmus Ristolainen. So, Overall, I think those lines are pretty good. They're better than what they were yesterday, which is what really had me heated. Um, so for the past week or so, there's been a lot of discussion, you know, on social media and around the Sabres organization that Jeff Skinner and Ralph Kruger have something going on, whether he's in Ralph Kruger's doghouse or he's just not fitting the system that Ralph Kruger wants them to play. I really just don't understand the whole situation because at the start of camp, you had Jeff Skinner with Eric Stahl and Sam Reinhart, and they looked very good in practice by all accounts from all the Buffalo media members. They were one of the best lines in the first scrimmage, and they played pretty well, generated a lot of scoring opportunities. Seemed like that was going to be the great second line, and then you had the first line, you know, with Eichel, Hall, and Olsen, and then you'd have guys like Thompson and Cousins to really develop together on that third line once he got here from the World Juniors. Yesterday, he was skating on a fourth line, um, and he wasn't even with Dylan Cousins. He was playing with Rasmus Asplund um, and Reader, I believe. And it's just like, I just don't understand what's going on. We're paying Jeff Skinner $9 million to play on a third, fourth line. And I understand the perspective of Ralph Kruger wasn't the one that really paid him. Jason Botter was the one that made that decision. You know, Phil Housley was the coach when he succeeded. Um, with Jack Eichel's line and then the first year Kruger comes in he struggles a lot he buries him plays him with Saboka Larson Johansson guys like that and the thing is I know you weren't the one that paid him even if you don't like his contract you can't bury Jeff Skinner on a third fourth line like he's too valuable of a player like he creates a lot of opportunities in front of the net very good skater he's able to put 30 to 40 goals a year for you, but he's not a guy that's going to drive a line himself. And that's what I just don't get. Ralph Kruger continues to preach how he wants to have balanced scoring throughout the Lions, and that's kind of the reason why he has a guy like Jeff Skinner down on the third, fourth line. But Cody Eakin, Riley Sheehan, Curtis Lazar, these aren't guys that really drive lines. And you, you can't expect a guy like Dylan Cousins or if you played him with an post or someone, they're not going to drive the line. And you can't expect Jeff Skinner, just because he's making $9 million, doesn't mean he's going to drive a line. 
Jeff Skinner got paid $9 million because he was next to Jack Eichel and was ripping goals left and right every game during the year and put up 40 goals. That's why he got paid. And, you know, I'm okay with him being on the third line as long as he's with a player like Dylan Cousins um, just because I think it's a good player for Cousins to be with because it's going to create opportunity for Cousins to, you know, be a playmaker on that line at a young age. I just don't understand what the point of, you know, hyping up the Skinner, Stahl, Reinhardt line was to only just get rid of it. Obviously, lines can change throughout the course of games and stuff. Um, I think the whole situation itself is very curious. I'm interested to see how it, you know, is going forward. You know, it seemed like Skinner was struggling in the second scrimmage. You know, he's the first one on and off the ice, they've been saying, at practices. And the other thing, too, is that Kruger's comments about him, you know, saying how he works hard and they feel like Jeff's going to be able to succeed. I just thought it was a bit fake. You know, I don't, you know, I think Ruff Kruger, for the most part, is very, um, honest when he speaks and you can kind of feel his emotions i felt like when he was talking with jeff Skinner, i actually listened to it about three or four times um just to kind of clarify with my own thoughts i just didn't see the confidence in the voice that i see when he's talking about other things like the development of other players um you know i do understand tage thompson's been playing really well with the like on hall line so i think he does deserve that opportunity um, I think I was more mad if Skinner was not on a line with Cousins at all and he was burying him even, you know, down with an Oposo and Eakin. Um, he's just, it's just not a line that I don't think he would succeed on. So we'll see these first few games, how Jeff Skinner performs. I just think it's a situation you have to monitor going forward. Overall, I think the Sabres are definitely way better on paper than they were last year, but that really doesn't mean anything until games actually start. They're definitely in the toughest division. So it's going to be an exciting season. I have a lot of high hopes for them. I really do think they can compete and make that fourth spot in the division to make the playoffs, but we will see. I appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. That's going to do it. I'll be back again on Thursday or Friday. Me and Zach will be back to talk a full NBA podcast episode. There's been a lot going on, a lot of COVID spike increases. We'll talk about you know some of the players that have really jumped off the page at us, probably talk about some rookies that have been really impressing. Um, and just some other general NBA news. And then I'll obviously be back again next Monday um, following the Bills-Ravens game. Kind of discuss that. Hopefully discuss a victory Sunday, Monday action and us going to the AFC Championship. But thank you all again for tuning in. Greatly appreciate all the support. Follow me on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.